Now in this series, we're gaining the inner strength to thrive in life. And throughout this series, we've said, if we're gonna thrive in life, we have to address those surface issues in our lives that we know are gonna keep us from thriving. We don't want them. They frustrate us. They sap our strength. They hurt our relationships. But we've said, if we want to experience genuine change in those surface areas that we really don't want, you have to actually address the inner issues, the core issues that feed those surface issues. And so far in this series, we've looked at the core issue of fear. We've looked at the core issue of unhealed wounds. We've looked at the core issue of pride. And then today we're gonna begin looking at the fourth key core issue that we need to address to thrive in life. And I think this core issue is the most challenging one. It's the most difficult uh, to recognize and it's the, one of the most challenging to resolve. And that's because in a lot of the other core issues, you go through some life experience that you can remember, either words that were spoke, spoken or something that happened. A situation occurred and you can remember the event and then you can go back and resolve what happened in some way. But this core issue, it's actually an experience that you should have experienced, but you didn't. And so it leaves within you this hole and this hole makes you feel a kind of void. And so this, this core issue I'm talking about that I'm, I'm picturing like a hole is called unmet needs. Unmet needs. Now, God created us with certain human needs. And what's cool about it is God actually created us to meet many of those needs in, for each other. And so it's one of the ways that God created us so that we would need each other. And that's actually a very beautiful thing. And there's all various kinds of needs that we have. Some of the needs are physical needs. And so we have the need for security. We have the physical need for safety. We have the physical need for you know, physical health, uh, for financial health for you know, food, clothing, and houses, and you know, many of us meet those needs for others. We also have emotional needs that, uh, that we need from others. We have the need for affirmation. We have the need for approval. We have the need for uh, acceptance. We have the need for affection. We have the need for love and other kinds of emotional needs like those. And then we have other kinds of needs like a need for purpose, a need for value, a need to know that we matter, and a need for others to affirm to us that we matter in life. But what can happen is if some or even many of those needs go unmet, they can leave within us holes, holes in our soul, and we feel them. We feel the emptiness. We feel the void. And I've done some extensive research on this particular core issue of unmet needs. And uh, numerous psychologists, both secular psychologists and Christian psychologists, assert that unmet needs are the number one reason for uh, people who experience the high rates of anxiety and depression that we have in our country and in our society. Uh, 
Because when we have legitimate needs, like the ones that I expressed, and they go unmet, when, when we're, they're neglected in our life, it creates holes in our soul. And when we feel the void of those holes, we will try to fill the holes with something. And sometimes what we fill those holes with is unhealthy. And it's harmful to our spiritual life. It's harmful to us as we seek to thrive in life. I mean, what compels a person to have indiscriminate sex with many people or to betray a spouse? Sometimes it's holes. What drives a person to buy a bunch of stuff they don't need with money they don't have and to rack up a bunch of debt? Sometimes it's holes. What motivates a person to become a workaholic and neglect the family? Sometimes it's holes. What moves a person to obsessively check or post on social media? Sometimes it's holes. What drives a person to abuse alcohol or drugs, to watch pornography, to binge watch Netflix? Sometimes it's holes. Do you have holes in your soul, unmet needs that are driving you today? Now, uh, over the years at City Church, I've had the opportunity to lead numerous groups of men through a process to identify these various core issues in our lives and to seek to address them and resolve them in our lives. And what's interesting is over the, uh, the five groups of men that I've led through this, about 40 men in total, what's interesting is that every one of those men, all 40 of them, had one particular unmet need that they all wrestled with, myself included. And it was the unmet need of affirmation. Affirmation. I'm finding that many, many people have an unmet need for affirmation. People are starving for someone to speak into their lives. Well done. Good job. You're awesome. But instead, many of us didn't hear those kinds of words from parents or authority figures. And instead, some of us actually heard negative words. Why can't you do better? Why can't you try harder? Why can't you just be more like fill in the blank? And I found that too many people either never heard you know, words of praise and affirmation or all they got was negative words that broke them down and tore them down. And, and that emptiness, that hunger, that legitimate need for affirmation creates holes in the soul. And uh, it's so challenging because sometimes you don't realize that that's what you're feeling. And that can lead us to feel angry or anxious or even depressed in our lives. And so today I want us to look at one angry young man and how he recognized some of the holes in his life and how he began to fill those holes. Now, the angry young man I want us to look at is a, a, a person who's one of the greatest heroes in the Christian scriptures. In fact, he wrote almost half of the Christian scriptures. And uh, his name is the Apostle Paul. But before he became a follower of Jesus, he pursued this very zealous form of Judaism, the Jewish faith, all in an attempt to fill the holes in his soul. And this form of Judaism was called being a Pharisee. Now, to be a Pharisee, 
you had to memorize the first five books of the Jewish scriptures. And those are very long books, a lot of words. And he memorized them. To be a Pharisee, you had to commit to obey all 613 laws written in those books of the uh, Jewish scriptures. They also added another 250 commands that they had to keep and another 365 prohibitions they had to avoid. Then on top of that, to be a Pharisee, you had to fast every Monday and every Thursday. Folks, the Pharisees were committed. The Pharisees were very serious about their religious zeal. But despite pursuing the most zealous form of the Jewish religion, Paul still felt the holes in his soul. And he ended up becoming an angry young man. Now we first come across uh, Paul in the Christian scriptures in his story. He appears in the book of Acts under the, his Hebrew name Saul. And what's happening when we first meet Saul is uh, there's a trial going on being led by, guess who? The Pharisees. And this trial took place in a, in a forum called the Sanhedrin. We'll see this in a moment. And the person who was on trial was one of the early followers of Jesus named Stephen. And he was on trial for his faith in Jesus. And, and the, as the trial progressed, Stephen gave his testimony about Jesus and actually saw Jesus in a vision. And this made the Pharisees so angry. Notice what happens. This is Acts chapter 7, verse 54. When the members of the Sanhedrin, which were all Pharisees, when they heard this, they were furious and gnashed their teeth at Stephen. They covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him dragging him out of the city, and they began to stone him. Meanwhile, witnesses laid their coats at the feet of a young man named Saul, and Saul approved of killing him. You know, scholars believe that Paul was in his early 20s when this brutal event occurred. And what's so shocking is that this devout religious leader believed that it was okay to physically attack and even kill someone who didn't believe what he believed. Now, I, I want to pause for a moment, if I can, and speak to those of you who may be new to church. Maybe you're new to city church. Maybe you're still investigating Christianity in general. Uh, I want to acknowledge something, and I want to cast some vision for my city church folk. You know, I think it's important for us. I, you know, I'm a leader in the church movement and I think it's important for us when I see something like this in the scriptures to acknowledge the times in our own church history where we did turn to violence and physical force to intimidate people, to control people, and even to persecute and at times kill people. The Crusades, the Inquisition, the witch trials, slavery. Folks, I want us to get clear about something. There are some religions who believe in forcing people to believe what they believe. But that was never Jesus' way. Jesus never forced anyone to believe in him. And so we won't either at City Church. And Jesus never intimidated anyone into joining his movement. And we won't either. Folks, Jesus' movement is not like that. 
And so as a leader in the church movement, I did want to just pause and to humbly apologize for those seasons in church history where, where the church did resort to violence and phys physical intimidation and even to the pockets where that occurs today, it's wrong. And I'll assure you, they didn't get that. And the people who practice that did not get that from Jesus. Okay, so let's return now to Paul's story. Notice what happens after Stephen is martyred. This is Acts 8, verse 1. On that day, a great persecution broke out against the church. Saul began to destroy the church. Going from house to house, he dragged off men and women, putting them in prison. So think about it. Paul became a leader in an oppressive movement. He dragged off men and women and put them in prison and persecuted them. And I, it makes me wonder, I mean, how did a devout Jewish leader, a religious person, become an angry, abusive terrorist holes. And we don't know all of the unmet needs that Paul never experienced in his childhood. We don't know what happened. But later in his life, after he became a follower of Jesus, he reflected on the zeal of this form of his Jewish faith that, that would even turn to violence. And he realized it was an attempt to gain approval, to gain acceptance, to gain affirmation that he longed for. And so we, we find out about this as he's writing some believers who are feeling tempted to turn to a very zealous form of Judaism like Paul had once practiced. And he's challenging them not to do that because he's, he's going to say to them, it, I pursued that and it didn't work in me. And so notice the unmet needs that Paul mentions in the letter to the Galatians in chapter 1, verse 10. Paul is writing, Am I now trying to win approval of human beings or of God? Am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. For you have heard about my previous life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my own age among my people, and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. So Paul admits here that he had been trying to gain the approval of other people. He admits that he was trying to please people to get affirmation from them. And he admits that he was advancing in his Jewish faith in this very zealous, angry form. And it's crazy, all in an attempt to gain acceptance ultimately from God. And instead, he ended up an angry, violent person. And that's what happens when you try to fill a legitimate inner need in an illegitimate way. And so this devout religious leader became an angry, abusive terrorist. Now, guys, I've been honest with you guys over the years about my own struggles with anger as a religious leader. And, and it shocked me. Some of the rage that I heard coming out of my mouth just shocked me. And I didn't really understand it until I began to unpack the layers of my life. And I realized that I had some holes in my soul that were part of, of feeding the anger in me. Could you have some holes in your soul feeding your surface issues? 
Well, as I, as I was wrestling with this particular core issue, I read a book to help me understand it more. It's a book written by two Christian psychiatrists, Dr. Frank Minrith and Dr. Paul Meyer. And the name of the book is called Happiness is a Choice. And in this book, it's interesting, they narrow down all of the unmet needs that people feel and they categorize them into three primary uh, unmet needs that create emotional pain within us. These are the three they came up with. First, a lack of self-worth. A lack of self-worth. That occurs when we end up with a low view of ourselves. And so uh, these psychiatrists say that normally we get clues for our sense of self-worth from primarily our parents, our family, and other authority figures. And so if the authority figures in our lives uh, did not give, give us the, the words and the, the, the feelings to make us feel like we were worthy and that we were valuable, then it creates these holes in our souls. So like if you had parents who were demeaning with their words or were very negative or always criticizing with, this word, with their words, it can create a, a void a feeling like you're not worthy and you're not valuable as a person. Or maybe you had parents who were, who were like, they had such high standards that you can never meet up to them. And, and it just made you feel like a failure. And some of those kinds of experiences can create holes in our souls. And, and doc, the doctors say that that creates a kind of lack of self-worth. And it, it's all about the unmet needs of feeling valuable and purposeful and like you do matter. Second primary source of emotional pain is lack of intimacy with others. Now, God created us with a desire for relational connection and intimacy. And yet one of the challenges that goes along with having relationships with people is we hurt each other at times, sometimes intentionally, sometimes unintentionally. And it's how we handle conflict and hurts that determines whether we can forge intimate relationships because conflict is a normal part of all healthy relationships. And again, the doctors say that we primarily learn how to handle conflict in relationships through our parents and our family. And so I want you to think back on your family experiences. How did your family handle conflict? Did your family tend to argue and fight in destructive ways? If they did, that will cause a lack of intimacy. Or did your family just ignore conflict and act like the hurt never happened? So they never address it. That also can lead to a lack of intimacy. Did your family uh, teach you to hold on to grudges and teach you how to become bitter or resentful. If that happens, that spoils intimacy in relationships and it can create that hole within your soul, that unmet need of intimacy. You do crave relationship and intimacy with others, but you won't be able to get there if you can't resolve conflict and hurts in a healthy way. The third primary source of emotional pain is the lack of intimacy with God. Deep within the human soul, God created us with a kind of God void. And he created that intentionally, not to hurt us, but to give us a hunger to pursue a relationship with him. But some of us grew up in a setting where we were never encouraged to pursue a relationship with God. And so what we feel within us is that God void, that hole in our soul. Others of us were raised in religious situations where uh, we, we were focused on religious activities and religious rituals and religious routines. 
instead of an actual relationship with God. And so we also feel that lack of intimacy with God. And all of that can create the feelings of, of a hole in your soul, the core issue of unmet needs. And according to doctors Minrith and Meyer, when we are healthy and we have healthy relationships with God and with others, this is what happens. These, these are based on scientific research. People feel calm, secure, confident, content, happy, and valued. I think that's what it looks like when you thrive in life, right? But they said if, if we don't have healthy relationships and we have all of these holes in our soul from unmet needs, that causes people to feel anxious, angry, insecure, unhappy, depressed, or unimportant. And if you're feeling any of those kinds of feelings, could it be that you have a hole in your soul, an unmet need of some kind that you're desperately trying to fill? And, and here's what's crazy. You know, earlier I, I listed some unhealthy ways that sometimes we fill the hole in our soul, but sometimes the way we fill the hole in our soul, they're very socially acceptable ways, but they still can be dysfunctional and harmful to our relationships. And so I'm going to give you an example from my own life. As I went through the process to try to understand all of my core issues, one of my negative tendencies that I noticed is when I came to a season where I felt like I was failing, when I felt like I wasn't getting enough affirmation, I didn't feel a sense of confidence, I, di I didn't feel approved and accepted in life, I tended to fill the hole in my soul, get this, with school. I would go back to school again. Because for, for me, school was great. Now, I know for some of you, school's like the worst experience ever, and that, that's never what you would turn to to fill the hole in your soul. But for me, school was always a very positive thing. School was made for people like me. In school, I felt approval and confidence. In school, I succeeded, and I felt affirmation and acceptance. I felt valued. I felt significant. And so the pattern in my life, I noticed, is that when I felt this kind of discontent and unhappiness, and I, I just, I felt like I needed some uh, affirmation and approval. I would go back to school. And don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with higher education. I'm, I'm, I'm a big supporter of higher education. But I'm just admitting to you that in my life, sometimes I went back to school trying to fill the hole in, hole in my soul. Folks, look, I've got two master's degrees that took me five years to get. And then I had, I've got an earned doctorate that took me a decade to get. Folks, I was in school until I was th uh, for 36 years. And folks, that's a lot of school. And the reason I'm telling you this is there were many nights. There were many nights where I was studying and reading and writing, holed up in my room, neglecting my wife and my kids. I still have regrets to this day. All trying to fill the hole in my soul. And that, that's what holes can do. We, we can desperately try to fill them in, in inappropriate ways or dysfunctional ways. It's not, what I did was not inappropriate, but it was dysfunctional. So, it, so mine, my, my way of filling my, my, the hole in my soul was a zeal for education. Paul's was a zeal for religion. How are you filling the hole in your soul? Well, Paul eventually saw the uselessness of pursuing religious zeal, trying to fill the hole in his soul. And he came to the point in his life where, where he, he, he had an awakening. 
And in one of his other letters, he listed all of the ways he had pursued to gain acceptance and affirmation from people and approval from people and how he had sought to gain approval and acceptance from God. And he came to a point in his life where he realized it was all useless. It couldn't fill the hole in his soul. And then in this letter, after he listed all of the ways he had tried, all of the religious rituals and disciplines and practices he had tried to fill those holes in his soul, he realized how useless they were. And he had this awakening. And he records it in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 7, where Paul writes, I once thought these things were valuable, but now I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, I consider everything else as worthless compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded everything else, counting it as garbage that I might gain Christ and be found in him. I no longer count on my own righteousness by obeying the law. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with him depends on faith. And folks, what Paul says here is so profound because in this letter, in this moment, he acknowledges, he admits that he had a distorted view of God. You see, beneath Paul's surface issues of anger that he struggled with, even beneath his core issue of unmet needs, the deepest core issue in Paul's life that was feeding all of those horrible surface issues was a distorted view of God. You see, he viewed God as the kind of being that he had to work hard to please, that he had to uh, perform uh, in many human efforts and obey many laws to gain God's love, to gain God's acceptance. But it never worked. And folks, the reason it never worked is because God is not that kind of God. And when Paul saw Jesus, Jesus appeared to Paul after the resurrection. While Paul was traveling to persecute the church, when Jesus appeared to Paul and he, he experienced grace in that moment, it changed him. Because he didn't deserve grace. He was persecuting Jesus' movement. But instead he experienced God's grace through his son Jesus. And in that moment, he knew he was accepted by God through his faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And, and as he believed in Jesus, God declared him righteous. God declared him approved. God declared him accepted. God declared him chosen. And from that point forward, it's so beautiful. Paul didn't gain a sense of worth and confidence based on what he did. Hear me on this. He, he gained his confidence based on who he was as a child of God. And it changed him at the very core of his being forever. When Paul tried the way, uh, he, when he pursued the way of trying, he ended up angry and abusive. But he, when he pursued the way of trusting, he found peace and love and acceptance based on his faith in Jesus, the Son of God. And folks, really, that's where filling the holes in our soul begins. It begins by filling the greatest hole in the soul you'll ever have. 
which is the whole design to draw you to God and to experience his acceptance. And here's the thing we learned from Paul. Paul didn't get his act together and then God accepted him. That's what's so beautiful about it. It's the opposite way. Some of you think you got to get your act together so God will love you and so God will accept you. What we learned from Paul's story is <laughs> God loved him before he got his act together. And God accepted him through his faith in Jesus, the son of God, right then, just the way he was before he got his act together. And I want you to know something. God loves you right now, just the way you are. That's the kind of God he is. And he will accept you right now where you are. If you will believe in his son, Jesus, that is all he asks of us. That's how you become a part of his family. And if you've never believed in Jesus before, I want to invite you to do that today. Will you bow with me for just a word of prayer? And I'm going to lead you to pray a prayer of faith, expressing your belief in Jesus. And I'll lead you through it phrase by phrase. Are you ready? God, I do believe in you. And I do believe you love me. And I believe Jesus is your son. And you've promised to accept us when we trust in your son. And so today, I put my trust in Jesus. I believe he is the son of God. I believe he can forgive my sins. I believe he can give me an eternal life. I believe he can help me thrive in life. And so I put my trust in him today. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.